Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and welcome back, and happy Wednesday. Today, we've got a special show for you. It's actually derived from a TV special we did in the last couple days called The New Rules of Congress. And really, they are the new rules for America, the changes that 20 Republicans forced in the United States House before they let Kevin McCarthy become Speaker have changed the way that Washington spends your money, investigates your agencies and shapes your government. That is a radical change. And we're going to have a great conversation starting off with the House Majority Leader, Steve Scalise. We've got a brand new member of Congress who's going to give us his insights from Tennessee and a whole bunch more of experts. A great conversation, including the former Deputy National Security Advisor for Donald Trump. Really great conversation. Listen, it's a really fun special we put on it. It really talks about how one change in Washington is going to have a domino effect on government over the next two years. I hope you enjoy it. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now 
with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Good evening, America, and welcome to this Just the News, Real America's Voice special report, The House Rules That Run Our Country. I'm your host, John Solomon. Tonight, in partnership with our sponsor, Heritage Action for America, we're going to explore how the new conservative majority in the U.S. House is beginning to reshape the American agenda, from shrinking the size of government and federal spending to restoring security and sanity at the southern U.S. border. The American people last November sent a very clear message. They want change. The latest Pew Research polling shows just 24% of Americans now trust our federal government to do what is right most of the time. That's nearly half of what it was during the Reagan-Bush years. So with public trust in government at historic lows and inflation at all-time highs, it's time for game-changing solutions. This 118th Congress started out with a bit of drama as Republicans fought to reshape the rules of the House before electing Kevin McCarthy speaker. While the mainstream media and Democrats poked fun at that debate, it fundamentally changed the way Washington will operate and spend your money for the next two years. And the real winners will be you, the American people. That's because there's far more transparency in what Congress does, how it spends your money, and what it investigates. Most importantly, the decisions on what Congress will address move closer to you, the taxpayer, by empowering your elected representatives, not swampy special interests, to decide the House agenda. Now, over the next hour, we're going to explore how this newly reshaped Congress will address the challenges ahead from tackling the debt ceiling and reducing spending to securing the border, ending the political weaponization of federal law enforcement, and making our economy China-proof going forward. Those are big issues that, once fixed, will recalibrate the course of America's compass and make us more secure and more free. And with such an ambitious agenda ahead, we have the perfect first guest. He's the quarterback of the new GOP-led House, Majority Leader Steve Scalise from the great state of Louisiana. Mr. Leader, great to have you on the show, sir. Hey, John, it's great to be with you. Good to see you. You as well. You've been very busy. Off to an exciting start with this new Congress. When Americans look back, everyone's trying to just worry about their grocery cart and their gas tank and getting the kids to school. But when they look back in a few months, what will be the most significant changes that will impact everyday Americans from your new agenda? The most significant change is that we have finally restructured Congress so that we rank and file members of Congress Everybody uh, across this political spectrum can actually focus on fighting for the hardworking families who have been crushed by all the crazy spending and rules and regulations coming out of Washington. It seems like Washington for the last two years was focused on going after the families and the businesses who make this country work. And now we're flipping that script. And that was really uh, the biggest change is that we're going to be bringing bills to the floor to fix so many of the problems that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi created from the border crisis, inflation that's crushing families. That's still probably the biggest complaint and problem you hear about. Uh, crime in communities, parents being involved in their kids' education. You can go down the list. 
But we're bringing bills to the floor to address these problems. And by the way, no more multi-trillion dollar spending bills. Seemed like every month out of Biden, we were getting bills that were trillions of dollars spending money on things that had nothing to do with COVID that were making matters worse for families. Yeah, it really is remarkable. Now, you've had some early bipartisan successes, particularly as it comes to making our economy China-proof, de decoupling our economy from some of China's uh, bad interests. Tell us a little bit about how Democrats have crossed over a few times already. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. For, for two years, Pelosi wouldn't allow any bills to come to the floor to hold China accountable, uh, to, to have any focus on American energy. And so we brought a bill to say that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which President Biden has rated more than 40 percent of our nation's reserve oil supply, he's rated to mask his bad policies. And one of those sales went to China. And so we brought a bill to say, you know, if you raid SPRO, you can't sell it to China. Uh, we got a majority of Democrats to vote for that bill. And the Washington media was saying that that was going to be a partisan bill. Uh, clearly not partisan. In fact, it's veto proof. Hopefully the Senate takes that up. Then we set up a special committee to look into the Chinese Communist Party's actions, both here in America and abroad, and finally start confronting the threat that China poses. And again, that was a very overwhelmingly bipartisan vote. Every Republican voted for it, but a majority of Democrats voted for it as well. And this is something that was off limits. Pelosi wouldn't allow any oversight into China. And then, of course, there are going to be other things that for whatever reason, the Democrats are not on board with us yet on. And that is holding this administration accountable, the kind of oversight that people have been hungry to see from bringing in Secretary Mayorkas looking into COVID from the origins of COVID uh, to the school shutdowns where the unions, the teachers unions were colluding with the White House to change the science to keep millions of kids shut out of school. All of those things, uh, including the weaponization of the federal government against regular Americans. All of that is already in the works. And, and I think you're going to be excited about what you see, John. Yeah, I think the American people are too. And one of the fun things, yeah, I get a weekly email from your office and it's great because it not only lays out the accountability agenda, it shows that Republicans are going to end that accountability hearings by putting fixes in place, whether it's stopping the uh, role of federal government in censorship, which no one could imagine we would be doing a few years ago, to how we're going to reduce uh, spending. This is not just an accountability political exercise. You really want to put fixes in place and you have a lot of them already lining up, don't you? Yeah, you know, and in fact, we spent a lot of time changing the rules of the House because Pelosi would use the rules of the House to do things like, you know, she would have these massive bills. You saw that crazy omnibus spending bill just a few months ago, you know, over a trillion dollars, thousands of pages dropped by dark of night. Nobody who voted for it had a chance to read it. Items in there that were completely unrelated to the subject matter, which was funding the government. Uh, so we made rules changes so that that can't happen again. You can't have those kind of bills come to the floor with multiple subjects? How about a bill that actually has to deal with the subject that it was drafted to address? Uh, the spending changes that we're going to make to finally start putting Washington on a budget. We're already in, in the middle of that debate right now with the debt ceiling, where President Biden for two years went on this crazy spending spree, over $5 trillion, and he maxed out the nation's credit card, which is the debt ceiling. And now you hear Biden saying, hey, just give me more money, no questions asked. That's not going to happen, John. Uh, if you if you gave your, your credit card to your kids and they maxed it out, they wouldn't come and say, hey, give me another $2,000 to go spend some more money. You would actually sit down with them and say, we need to have a talk about how you can get control over spending. We're going to have that conversation with President Biden. He doesn't want to have it. But you know what? The country 
wants it to happen. It's reasonable, it's responsible, and it's a long time coming. Yeah, that it is. And there's a lot of demagoguery that goes in on the debt ceiling over the last decade. But for the longest time, it was really set for a reason so that there could be an honest discussion about what our spending priorities would be and what we can really afford and what we can't afford. Uh, it looks like you're beginning to change the narrative back from the demagoguery of the last 10 years. Oh, you're going to put us at risk in the credit world. No, you're not. You're trying to have an honest discussion about what is right for America to spend and what we can't afford to spend anymore. How much have you been able to change that narrative in the first few weeks in power? Well, this is going to be a long education process because the mainstream media is going to just try to bang the drums and say, oh, my God, the nation might default and the credit markets will collapse. And Biden, of course, himself is is going to be the worst at this. He's going to threaten Social Security. He's going to threaten uh, the pay for our troops. Remember this. For every dollar that's coming into Washington, a dollar twenty nine is being spent. That's the spending problem that we have if you want to break it down. But what it means is we're still taking in a dollar. It's not like the federal government's not bringing in any money. The real problem is it's spending more than it's taken in. So if you only spent a dollar for every dollar that comes in, why is it that Pre President Biden is saying he's not going to pay the nation's debts with that dollar? He's not going to pay Social Security with that dollar or pay our troops. Now, he's going to keep paying the EPA and the IRS and all these federal agencies that have been weaponized against hardworking families. It shows you his priorities. And it's time we reorganize our priorities as we work to get spending under control and make Washington live within its means. So that's an education process. And we're going to be talking about it a lot uh, because it's not as simple as, oh, gee whiz, if we just don't give the president a new credit card so he could go max that one out again, then the country is going to default. That's not the case. And, and that's where the president wants people to be in such fear that they'll just call their members of Congress and say, give President Biden more money to spend. Anybody who thinks he hasn't had enough money to spend hasn't been following what's going on in Washington the last two years. It's been the wildest spending spree in the history of our country, and it's got to end. Yeah, and you see these recent reports of our own auditors finding $400 billion of COVID aid went to people that weren't entitled to it or went to fraud. It's an yep. amazing amount of money All with the no time. accountability. Yeah, there was no accountability. Yeah, it's that accountability is coming now, so it's a new yeah. day. No, it's such an important moment in our history. Um, a lot of people saw the dramatic day, week of debate before Kevin McCarthy was elected speaker. And they thought, oh, my God, this is uh, what is it? What's going on there? But you emerge as a caucus so much more united, it seems. And it seems like the ultimate winner isn't individual lawmakers who held out, but the American people, because they have a lot more say over the agenda. Do you think the American people are beginning to see the, the benefits of that debate? Yeah, you know, what was really encouraging, John, is people were watching, you know, C-SPAN, which covers uh, which covers Congress. It, it gets a decent number of followers, but, you know, surely it's not multi-millions. There were millions of people every day watching. And what they were watching and listening to was a real honest debate, uh, not about personality differences, but about how to fix a broken Washington. And that's one thing I think everybody recognizes. Washington's broken. It wasn't focusing on the needs of the families who are struggling in America. And that's really what the focus of the differences were. How can we come together? How can we fix Washington so that we can then go fix the problems of the country? So we spent four days working on fixing Washington. That allows us in a much better way to spend the next two years fighting for those families who've been left behind by Washington. And so I, I've been very encouraged by it. It's going to allow more engagement. We ended proxy voting. Members actually have to show up to work like every other American does. You know, you had massive bills where over 200 people were voting through somebody else. They're sitting at home 
while these bills are being debated in Washington, you know, show up and do your job like every other American has to do. The no-show Congress has been ended. That's a, that alone is a big symbol to yeah. American uh, folks. Um, one of the things the last time Republicans were in charge is they passed historic tax cuts, and that had an enormous impact on the economy. In fact, tax revenues are at an all-time high after cutting tax rates because the economy grew so well. How important is it to make those tax cuts permanent and to continue to give money back to the American people? John, making those tax cuts permanent is a top priority of this new House Republican majority. And so Jason Smith is now the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, we've spoken about it. He's got a strong interest in getting something moved quickly to make those tax cuts permanent. It juiced the economy like we've never seen. Kevin Brady was the author of that bill under President Trump. And when we passed the bill, it was amazing how quickly the economy started turning around. You know, we were losing great companies leaving America, millions of jobs leaving America because we had the highest corporate tax rate in the industrialized world. And not only did we reverse it, we became now the most uh, impressive, effective economy in, in the world. President Biden's obviously slowed that down with all of his rules and regulations, uh, killing American energy, going after industries. But at the same time, if we see those tax rates go up, uh, we'll become less competitive again, and it'll hurt the lower and middle income families the most. We don't want that to happen. So we're going to bring that bill to the floor in these first few months as well. Yeah, that's important stuff. We got about 35, 40 seconds left. Just real quickly, energy, you have a plan to make it more bountiful again, make it less expensive. And also by using natural gas and nuclear energy, bring down carbon emissions. That's a winner with a lot of people. Tell us about how important that is. Yeah, I think people realize now more than ever how important a smart energy policy is. President Biden went after American energy from day one, killing Keystone, shutting down permitting, pipelines. So he's made it harder to produce energy in America, which has made us more dependent on foreign countries for our energy. That's ludicrous. Prices are through the roof. It's not only at the pump. It's it's at you know your electricity bill. Families are fed up with it. We've got a plan. We're going to be bringing that package of bills to the floor in these next few weeks to show the country how we can become energy independent again and not relying on foreign countries. And oh, by the way, it's better for the environment because no one makes energy cleaner in the world than the United States of America. Don't get on your private jet, uh, you know, John Kerry or Al Gore and go to Davos <laughs> to talk about it. You can actually do it better here. Save that jet fuel and those carbon emissions uh, of hanging out with all your buddies in Europe talking about destroying the planet and destroying America's economy. Let's make our own energy again. I see a lot of heads in America nodding yes. They like what you just said. Mr. Leader, great honor to have you on today. Thanks for getting us up to speed on a very ambitious agenda. We're going to be watching closely, but a great honor to start the year with you. John, it's going to be an exciting time. I look forward to visiting with you some more. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Good to have you on. All right, folks, stick around. You just heard from one of the most important members of Congress. We're going to get a freshman member's perspective, a brand new member. He's going to give us his perspective, what he's witnessed in the first few weeks in the 118th Congress, right after these commercial messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, 
committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. America. Our next guest knows a thing or two about balancing budgets. First, he comes from a state that prides itself in balancing its budget, the state of Tennessee, and he was a mayor that had to do it every day. Now, he's one of the newest members of the uh, U.S. House. He's joining us now from the great state of Tennessee, Congressman Andy Ogles. Congressman, great honor to have you on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a remarkable time. I think people for the first time over the last two weeks, it's been a little dramatic, but with that drama comes the great promise that maybe all of this reckless spending that we've been on for two decades is going to finally slow down. Tell us a little bit as a new member of Congress, what you've witnessed behind the scenes and what it portends for the people of America. Well, as one of the 20 that, that fought for the new rules package, um, you know, I think one of the, the secondary benefits of that process is that America tuned in. Uh, America suddenly was uh, paying attention to what was happening in Congress. And so not only did we get a great rules package for, for myself and others as rank and file members, meaning we're not in leadership, you know, we can offer amendments to bills. We can we can do things to cut spending, which I know is what the American people want. Yeah, there's no doubt. And that tuning in really showed that people, I think, for the first time in a long time, saw hope that maybe Congress would do something different and not keep the status quo. Um, have you seen in the early days, uh, the first votes that your Congress have taken, a connectivity between the issues that are being passed and what American people want? Is there resonance now among your constituents and the things that have already come to the floor? Yeah, you know, you know, after we had the uh, the rules package and, and the votes on speaker, the multiple votes on speaker, uh, you know, under the leadership of McCarthy and Scalise, we all came together. The very first thing we did was vote to defund the eighty seven thousand IRS agents, and just this speaks to our commitment to to look for ways to cut spending. Look, the spending is out of control. We know government is broken, so we've got to start thinking outside the box. 
and get back to regular order, which means we're not spending money that we don't have. Yeah, so important. Now, for a long time as a mayor, you had to have a balanced budget every year. Uh, the state of Tennessee's always been great about balancing its budget. Uh, the culture in this town is, no, let's not worry about it. We'll kick it down the road. What's the key to getting people onto a, uh, a path of fiscal sanity going forward? Well, you know, uh, kind of some of the D.C. lingo, if you will, is, is historically over the last few years, the Congress has been acting under this pay-go system, which means you spend money and you pay as you go. And what we've adopted is the cut-go method, which means we're going to cut as we go. So if we're going to spend a dollar, we got to find a way to save, save a dollar. And look, you know, the, the $1.7 trillion omnibus uh, package that the Senate crammed down the throat of the American people, uh, it's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and we need to push back against those types of spending bills and, and look for ways of cutting the budget. You know, uh, there's a lot of discretionary spending that should be on the table. There's a lot of money that's spent overseas that shouldn't be spent. We've got to get our own fiscal house in order. Otherwise, we're going to be of no good uh, to the rest of the world, but certainly not to our own national security. And right now, uh, with our spending and our indebtedness to other nations and our poorest border, border, you know, if you look up the definition of a sovereign nation, I'm not sure that we check all the boxes. And so we've got, our, we've got to get our own house in order before we try to save the rest of the world. Yeah, so true. So true indeed. Um, you have been a big advocate of China proofing this economy, making sure that we insource the resources that we need, take advantage of what this uh, great country has and God blessed it with. How important is that? And what are some of the early legislation that's moving that to a reality? Well, you know, it's still early when, when you speak of specific legislation, but we're going to be getting there. And I think what we saw during COVID is our over-dependency on foreign supply chains. And so anything that we can do to reshore supply chains, meaning that the, the uh, products are produced here in the United States or even somewhere in North and South America, I'd much rather be dependent on Brazil, who can be an ally and is not a national security threat than China, who certainly wants to usurp our nation. And, you know, every step of the way, China does what it can to undermine the United States and our sovereignty. You just look at the fentanyl crisis, the chemicals, the precursors that create fentanyl, that are killing our children, they're coming from China. They, they are intentionally sending that to Mexico, to the cartels, to poison the United States of America. They're an enemy of the state and they should be treated as such. And so as we go forward, I have a very kind of hardline stance against China right now. If they want to be our friend, they should act like it instead of targeting our children with fentanyl. Yeah, such an important message. And I think most Americans are getting educated now that China is really the starting point of the fentanyl crisis. That's something a lot of people didn't know for a while. Um, You came to Washington as a brand new freshman. Now, the rule normally has been in this town, if you're a freshman, you keep your head down for the first year. You didn't do that. You jumped right in. You held the line to get these sort of new rules in place. And at the end of the day, the American taxpayer ends up being the winner of these rules. Tell us a little bit why you took that risk. Because that's a big risk for a freshman. And why at the end of the day, this new rules package makes a big difference, not for power brokers in Washington, but for everyday Americans. You know, um, you look you look back to the, the COVID uh, time period, you know, obviously it was it was uh, treated differently across the country. Look at DeSantis versus, you know, how New York, uh, how, how they were subjected to the COVID lockdowns. The same thing in Tennessee. I refuse to comply with any of the mandates. I, com- I refuse to comply with OSHA or Biden or, or anyone that was trying to force people to do something that, that they didn't want to do. And at the end of the day, I simply followed the Constitution and the law. I came up here to do a job. I didn't come up here to kiss a ring. I didn't come up here to fall in a line. I came up here to do a job, a job, which means fighting for the American people, certainly my district, certainly for Tennessee, but for all of America. 
And, and what you realize now is that with the, the church style committee that was created in this rules package, we can hold the FBI accountable. When you look at the ability for us to cut spending by, by way of amendments on the floor, uh, germaneness on a, on a bill, meaning that if you want to offer an amendment, it has to be relevant or, or actually pertain to the bill that you're talking about, single issue, if you will. And so these, these are all transformative. Many of these things haven't been in place in decades and decades. And so we're moving back to, way, to the way that our founding fathers intended. I'm a bit of a nerd. And so the idea that, that we're suddenly operating that in the House of Representatives, the way that our founding fathers intended, that's a good thing. Because this is the people's house. I always like to reference John Quincy Adams. You know, he was a he was a member of Congress. He was a senator. He was a president of the United States. He was an ambassador to multiple countries. But when he decided to retire, what did he do? He came back to the U.S. House of Representatives. Why? Because it was the 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 the, the house. It was the body that debated and it argued, and it was the people's house, and it was the it was the body that did the people's work, and that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, it's a great uh, strategy. It's done in sports and in politics. When a country gets lost, go back to its origins. Remember where you came That's from. Right. It always puts us back Blocking. on course. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's about right. Blocking it. and tackling, right? You that's know, it? you can't score touchdowns if you're not blocking and tackling. So that's so what we got to do. Get back to the basics. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So I want to ask a little bit about the parents' rights movement in America. It has energized people, put them into the political process, maybe for years where they were outside of it. How important is it at the federal level to reinforce that parents should have a say over their children's education and not uh, have to yield it to bureaucrats or to FBI agents that want to call them domestic terrorists? Well, you know, this is a huge issue. You know, when I when I think of education and, and educating our children, I think of that as being under the purview of the states. I think that's a state's rights issue. I think we've uh, the Department of Education has gotten much too large. And look, if you want to cut spending, let's cut 40 percent out of the Department of Education. We'll, we'll consider that 20 uh, 20 percent tax uh, savings for the American people. And then you can push 20 percent back to the states for, say, third grade early intervention on math and reading. I mean, there's ways here to cut the budget. There's ways here to improve education. But the problem is Washington, uh, not the states. And so what we've got to do is to get uh, D.C. out of, I always like to say, I want D.C. out of Tennessee, right? I don't want uh, some congressman from San Francisco or California or somewhere else teaching my children in Tennessee. And so just as if, if you're not as conservative as I am, you probably don't want me teaching your children, right? And so this is an issue that we've got to push back to the states. And part of that is we've got to go after the Department of Education. Now we'll look to see what, uh, you know, the, the Ed and Workforce uh, Committee does as we move forward. And I think you're going to see lots of uh, legislation uh, put forth by other members that really tackles and, quite frankly, attacks the, the wokeness that has swept the, the Department of Education. There's no doubt. As you look out to the great task of uh, not only cutting spending, it's an opportunity to really reshape the federal government, make it more efficient for the American people. You mentioned an approach that I hear a lot of Republicans talking about now. If you shrink a federal agency, you get rid of the bureaucracy, then you take the money block granted back to the states. Is that a model that could apply to more than the education department long term? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the discretionary spending uh, is, is a huge part. So, so when you talk about this, this debt ceiling fight, you know, obviously we've, we've got to protect our seniors. We've got to protect our veterans. But even within that, uh, we have revenue coming in with their, and with our spending that we, we do every month, just in your own household. There's monies that you don't have to spend. It's discretionary. And we've got to go after that and start cutting. So, good again, if you, we can identify an issue where we're under underfunded or we have a deficiency, say like third grade reading or third grade math, 
All right, let, let's cut the federal side of the budget, then let's empower the states to do their job. And, and I would argue that a lot of the problem that we have in the states with our education system isn't the states, and it's certainly not the teachers. You have a lot of great teachers out there that, that love children and love their job, but the federal government has gotten in the way. And we, we, we have all of these, you know, you have to teach to the test now instead of just teaching. And so if we can get, get the federal government out of the way across the board, I think it improves the quality of life and, and quite frankly, saves saves money for the taxpayer. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. We got about 45 seconds left. I want to ask a little bit. I know you're a big champion of freedom. We have a government that now thinks its job is to censor people, to treat parents as domestic parents. How do we rein in some of the powers and restore liberty back to the everyday Americans? That's really important. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, Chairman Comer and uh, Chairman Jordan and their oversight judiciary committees, respectively, uh, subpoena, uh, issuing subpoenas and, and bringing in these department heads and these employees and sending a message that uh, if you're a woke employee in the United States government, that's not your job. You have a job to do. Go do that. Uh, but we've got to start holding people accountable. And I, and again, I think when you look at some of the vaccine mandates that targeted our military and, and some of our uh, you know medical personnel, uh, we need to roll those back and empower an individual to make their own decisions. But those two committees are going to be very busy oversight and judiciary, and that's where we start holding the line and creating accountability for this government. Uh, there's no doubt people are cheering that on. They're also cheering on the fact that you came right to Washington and made a big difference in your first day on the job. Congressman, what a great honor to have you on the show today. We're going to be following your great work throughout the year. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Good to have you on. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be back with a national security expert that will walk us through the latest as it regards to the FBI, DOJ, and the latest recovery missions of classified documents. Right after this, uh, we'll be talking to President Trump's deputy national security advisor, after a quick commercial break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, America, to this Just the News, Real America's Voice special brought to you by our good friends at Heritage Action for America. One of the places where the new Congress will have a profound effect will be on the world stage. How America projects its power, how economic policy here will enhance or weaken our security abroad are all things that Congress has a hand in. And with the change in leadership to Republicans in the House, a lot of new policies are beginning to shift. We have the perfect first guest to walk us through how these changes are going to play out on the world stage. She's advised 
guys, a cabinet secretaries, governors, presidents. She's a former deputy national security advisor to the United States. She is Victoria Coates, currently a senior research fellow at Heritage Foundation. Victoria, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, John. Good to be with you. So there is a lot going on in this brand new Congress. And a lot of people think of Congress and they think, ah, domestic policy, economics. But a lot of what Congress does affects foreign policy and America's perception in the world. How has the Republican majority begun to reshape thinking in the world? Yeah, this is going to really be a fascinating moment because traditionally, yes, the domestic issues have really been the purview of the Congress and international affairs have been left to the executive branch. But certainly after two years of the Biden administration, conservatives can't let things go on like this. So, you know, we started out with a disaster in Afghanistan, which was so damaging to our general reputation. Uh, we've gone through a series of uh, additional, uh, very difficult moments, uh, reject or basically abandoning our Gulf allies, doing some material damage to our relationship with, with Israel, and then capped off by the long grinding war in Ukraine after Putin's invasion, which has been going on for a year with no end in sight. And I think given the administration's real refusal to articulate a clear, fulsome strategy for how they are going to manage things like our relationships in the Middle East or critical strategic relationships, how we are going to bring an end to this war in Ukraine with a decisive defeat for Putin, because we do not want to be doing this again in five years. You know, Republicans in Congress who are going to have to play a, a front and center role on this and force the administration to see that it is not irrational to say that while we are paying attention to Ukraine's borders, we also need to secure our own borders. And that if we want to win the war in Ukraine, which is largely an energy war, we're going to have to attend to our domestic energy production. And first and foremost, and this will be the topic of coming weeks, if we plan to be able to do a World War II style mobilization to confront the People's Republic of China, should that become necessary, we have to get our fiscal house in order. These things are intimately linked. We've got to end the out of control woke spending here in Washington if we want to do that. Yeah, so true. And a lot of people say, well, the spending, what does that have to do with national security? A lot of people very concerned by recent developments. Saudi Arabia announcing that it might consider other currencies to take oil and transact oil on not just the American currency. The dollar and its standing as the world currency really could be put at risk by the the upcoming debt ceiling uh, debate. Tell us a little bit about why that's so concerning. Well, it is, it's concerning because it's completely unnecessary. It is absolutely within our power to rein in this spending. Uh, and, you know, we, we had an unexpected sort of fiscal hawk emerge in the form of the president, who's very excited right now to tout about how much he's brought the deficit down, uh, which isn't really the greatest marker because it just means you're, you're, you're still spending more than you should, but maybe just a little bit less than you, you had been the year before. And we know that's all because of the end of the COVID program. So it's right. kind of illusory anyway. But at least he's playing, paying lip service to it, which means it's important to the American people. But you know, folks are fond of saying, you know, it's 1940 in terms of China. We have to be prepared for a significant uh, uh, military buildup. I am hugely in favor of a robust military. I think the vast majority of Americans are. We need to maintain our edge in that sphere. But we're not going to be able to uh, if we don't get our House in order now. And I think what the House Republicans have proposed in terms of prospectively freezing defense expenditures at 2022 levels, which was a victory as recently as last month 
in terms of the levels of the 2022 uh, National Defense Authorization Act, that 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 should not be out of the realm of the possible. And if we look at the military and we say, you know, we are going to stop the crazy social engineering programs, the climate extremism that's costing a lot of money, uh, and we are going to focus on lethality and war fighting, I think you would have tremendous support for that within the Congress. But then you're also going to have to rein in the completely insane uh, domestic spending that has consumed all of this. And if you go back to the atrocious $1.7 trillion omnibus legislation that was jammed through at the end of the last Congress, only $46 billion of that, I mean, which is an amazing statement, only $46 billion yeah. of that was for Ukraine, but it was stuffed into this omni. So if you wanted to support Ukraine, and people can have varying views on that, but you weren't even allowed to debate it. You just had to do the whole 1.7 trillion. So, you know, what the defense spending is a fraction of, of what is actually bankrupting our country, which is putting our credit at risk. And as you say, could ultimately put the dollar at risk. The dollar is one of the most critical national security tools we have in the U.S. arsenal, and it should be protected as such. And the Democrats would be willing to put it at risk because of this crazy spending that they're insisting on, uh, I really think is outrageous. Yeah, it's amazing to think that Congress raised the credit card spending, but didn't raise the limit. And even knowing that that spending would go over, it created this artificial moment of crisis, which is is remarkable. Victoria, I want to turn to something because for two years, uh, Nancy Pelosi kept China off the pretty much off the docket of Congress. So we didn't know where Democrats were. Republicans come in and right away they have two votes and the majority of Democrats cross over and say, yeah, we want to ban China from buying oil from our strategic petroleum reserves. And we do want a select committee to uh, study the China threat something that Nancy Pelosi wouldn't allow. What message did that send to the world, particularly to our allies in the Pacific Rim? It's it's a critical message of clarity. And I, I'd like to think it, it takes us back to the better days uh, of, of, not that the Cold War was better, but the better times in terms of bipartisan agreement that the Soviet Union was a terrible threat and that all Americans should be united in opposition to Soviet expansionism and the uh, Soviet clearly stated desire to wipe democracy and capitalism off the planet. I mean, the Chinese have made the same declaration that they think democracy is is a bad system, uh, antithetical to the uh, the nature of the Chinese people. I think that's actually a bold, bald-faced lie. You can look across the street, you see Taiwan, the Chinese people are perfectly capable of democracy given the chance but their communist overlords currently won't let them do that. But I think the American people really over the last six years, uh, certainly since the beginning of the Trump administration, have developed a clarity on this. And so all Congress people, I believe, are, are receiving inquiries from their constituents about what they're doing about China. I think the issue of selling our strategic uh, petroleum reserve uh, resources to China is a very clear threat to our national security. China buying farmland, among other real estate assets, is a clear threat. The theft of uh, intellectual property is a clear threat. And the Chinese military buildup is a clear threat. So I think for all of these reasons, you will have the potential for uh, counter-China pro-America actions in this Congress. And it may be a unique topic along those lines. 
Yeah, that it will, certainly for compared to the past few years where we have no discussion of it. It's really remarkable. Victoria, got about 90 seconds left. I wanted to ask this. With a new Congress comes fresh ideas. And one of the most interesting ideas that Republicans have put on the table is the need to do a comprehensive study of how our adversaries have, have gotten a stronghold in various strategic parts of the supply chain that could strangle America or put our national security at risk in a time of conflict. How important is that's an issue you haven't heard talked about for a long time. How important is it to understand the threat? and the kinks in the, and the supply chain and begin to create solutions for it? It's, it's critical. And I think there are many areas in the world where that we can look to. Southeast Asia, first and foremost, is it developing as a supply chain hub. We could look at North Africa. We could look very much at Latin America. It would be a great thing for our hemisphere. But what we have to avoid, John, and I, we are watching this happen in real time, is the Biden administration trying to force an energy transition on the United States from fossil fuels to renewables and that that supply chain is almost irrevocably tied to communist China. They've actually done a great job of cornering that market. So we have to become reliant on them if we want to endure that transition. It's not necessary. We have ample, increasingly clean fossil fuels. We have fission. We have the promise of fusion now down the pike. We can get to a much lower emission uh, posture that should satisfy even the most extreme uh, climate folks. And we don't have to do it by putting our energy security in the hands of the communist Chinese. Yeah, that's such a big uh, lie to knock down. Uh, Republicans do have a uh, greenhouse gas plan and use natural gas and uh, nuclear power to get to the same targets as Democrats. And that's a lot more achievable than windmills and solar. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Victoria, it's such a great honor to have you on. You bring clarity to a very confusing world. We really enjoyed the time today. Always good to be with you, John. Thank you. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll be right back with one more engaging conversation with a key member that has his ear to the ground, listening to what the grassroots of America is saying. By the way, all policies in America succeed when the grassroots gets behind it. We'll have that conversation with Ryan Walker from Heritage right after this commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome 
Welcome back, America, to this Just the News Real America's Voice special brought to you by our good friends at Heritage Action for America. One of the places where the new Congress will have a profound effect will be on the world stage. How America projects its power, how economic policy here will enhance or weaken our security abroad are all things that Congress has a hand in. And with the change in leadership to Republicans in the House, a lot of new policies are beginning to shift. We have the perfect first guest to walk us through how these changes are going to play out on the world stage. She's advised cabinet secretaries, governors, presidents. She's a former deputy national security advisor to the United States. She is Victoria Coates, currently a senior research fellow at Heritage Foundation. Victoria, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, John. Good to be with you. So there is a lot going on in this brand new Congress. And a lot of people think of Congress and they think, ah, domestic policy, economics, but a lot of what Congress does affects foreign policy and America's perception in the world. How has the Republican majority begun to reshape thinking in the world? Yeah, this is going to really be a fascinating moment because traditionally, yes, the domestic issues have really been the purview of the Congress and international affairs have been left to the executive branch. But certainly after two years of the Biden administration, conservatives can't let things go on like this. So, you know, we started out with a disaster in Afghanistan, which was so damaging to our general reputation. Uh, we've gone through a series of uh, additional, uh, very difficult moments, uh, reject or basically abandoning our Gulf allies, doing some material damage to our relationship with, with Israel, and then capped off by the long grinding war in Ukraine after Putin's invasion, which has been going on for a year with no end in sight. And I think given the administration's real refusal to articulate a clear, fulsome strategy for how they are going to manage things like our relationships in the Middle East or critical strategic relationships, how we are going to bring an end to this war in Ukraine with a decisive defeat for Putin, because we do not want to be doing this again in five years. You know, Republicans in Congress who are going to have to play a, a front and center role on this and force the administration to see that it is not irrational to say that while we are paying attention to Ukraine's borders, we also need to secure our own borders. And that if we want to win the war in Ukraine, which is largely an energy war, we're going to have to attend to our domestic energy production. And first and foremost, and this will be the topic of coming weeks, if we plan to be able to do a World War II style mobilization to confront the People's Republic of China, should that become necessary, we have to get our fiscal house in order. These things are intimately linked. We've got to end the out of control woke spending here in Washington if we want to do that. Yeah, so true. And a lot of people say, well, the spending, what does that have to do with national security? A lot of people very concerned by recent developments. Saudi Arabia announcing that it might consider other currencies to take oil and transact oil on not just the American currency. The dollar and its standing as the world currency really could be put at risk by the the upcoming debt ceiling uh, debate. Tell us a little bit about why that's so concerning. Well, it is, it's concerning because it's completely unnecessary. It is absolutely within our power to rein in this spending. Uh, and, you know, we, we had an unexpected sort of fiscal hawk emerge in the form of the president, who's very excited right now to tout about how much he's brought the deficit down, uh, which isn't really the greatest marker because it just means you're, you're, you're still spending more than you should, but maybe just a little bit less than you, you had been the year before. And we know that's all because of the end of the COVID program. So it's right. kind of illusory anyway, but at least he's playing, paying lip service to it, which means it's important to the American people. But you know, folks are fond of saying, you know, it's 1940 in terms of China, we have to be prepared 
for a significant uh, military buildup. I am hugely in favor of a robust military. I think the vast majority of Americans are. We need to maintain our edge in that sphere. But we're not going to be able to uh, if we don't get our House in order now. And I think what the House Republicans have proposed in terms of prospectively freezing defense expenditures at 2022 levels, which was a victory as recently as last month in terms of the levels of the 2022 uh, National Defense Authorization Act, that, that that should not be out of the realm of the possible. And if we look at the military and we say, you know, we are going to stop the crazy social engineering programs, the climate extremism that's costing a lot of money, uh, and we are going to focus on lethality and war fighting, I think you would have tremendous support for that within the Congress. But then you're also going to have to rein in the completely insane uh, domestic spending that has consumed all of this. And if you go back to the atrocious $1.7 trillion omnibus legislation that was jammed through at the end of the last Congress, only $46 billion of that, I mean, which is an amazing statement, only $46 billion of that was for Ukraine, but it was stuffed into this Omni. So if you wanted to support Ukraine, and people can have varying views on that, but you weren't even allowed to debate it. You just had to do the whole 1.7 trillion. So you know what the defense spending is a fraction of of what is actually bankrupting our country, which is putting our credit at risk, and as you say, could ultimately put the dollar at risk. The dollar is one of the most critical national security tools we have in the U.S. arsenal, and it should be protected as such. And the Democrats would be willing to put it at risk because of this crazy spending that they're insisting on, uh, I really think is outrageous. Yeah, that's amazing to think that Congress raised the credit card spending, but didn't raise the limit. And even knowing that that spending would go over, it created this artificial moment of crisis, which is is remarkable. Victoria, I want to turn to something because for two years, uh, Nancy Pelosi kept China off the pretty much off the docket of Congress. So we didn't know where Democrats were. Republicans come in and right away they have two votes and the majority of Democrats cross over and say, yeah, we want to ban China from buying oil from our strategic petroleum reserves. And we do want a select committee to uh, study the China threat something that Nancy Pelosi wouldn't allow. What message did that send to the world, particularly to our allies in the Pacific Rim? It's it's a critical message of clarity. And I, I'd like to think it, it takes us back to the better days uh, of, of, not that the Cold War was better, but the better times in terms of bipartisan agreement that the Soviet Union was a terrible threat and that all Americans should be united in opposition to Soviet expansionism and the uh, Soviet clearly stated desire to wipe democracy and capitalism off the planet. I mean, the Chinese have made the same declaration that they think democracy is is a bad system, uh, antithetical to the uh, the nature of the Chinese people. I think that's actually a bold, bald-faced lie. You could look across the street, you see Taiwan, the Chinese people are perfectly capable of democracy given the chance but their communist overlords currently won't let them do that. But I think the American people really over the last six years, uh, certainly since the beginning of the Trump administration, have developed a clarity on this. And so all Congress people, I believe, are, are receiving inquiries from their constituents about what they're doing about China. I think the issue of selling our strategic uh, petroleum reserve uh, resources to China is a very clear threat to our national security. China buying farmland, among other real estate assets, is a clear threat. The theft of uh, intellectual property is a clear threat. And the Chinese military buildup is a clear threat. 
So I think for all of these reasons, you will have the potential for uh, counter-China pro-America actions in this Congress, and it may be a unique topic along those lines. Yeah, that it will, certainly compared to the past few years where we'd have no discussion of it. It's really remarkable. Victoria, about 90 seconds left. I want to ask this. With a new Congress comes fresh ideas. And one of the most interesting ideas that Republicans have put on the table is the need to do a comprehensive study of how our adversaries have, have gotten a stronghold in various strategic parts of the supply chain that could strangle America or put our national security at risk in a time of conflict. How important is that's an issue you haven't heard talked about for a long time. How important is it to understand the threats and the kinks in the, in the, the supply chain and begin to create solutions for it? It's, it's critical. And I think there are many areas in the world where that we can look to. Southeast Asia, first and foremost, is it developing as a supply chain hub. We could look at North Africa. We could look very much at Latin America. It would be a great thing for our hemisphere. But what we have to avoid, John, and we are watching this happen in real time, is the Biden administration trying to force an energy transition on the United States from fossil fuels to renewables, and that that supply chain is almost irrevocably tied to communist China. They've actually done a great job of cornering that market. So we have to become reliant on them if we want to endure that transition. It's not necessary. We have ample, increasingly clean fossil fuels. We have fission. We have the promise of fusion now down the pike. We can get to a much lower emission uh, posture that should satisfy even the most extreme uh, climate folks. And we don't have to do it by putting our energy security in the hands of the communist Chinese. Yeah, that's such a big uh, lie to knock down. Uh, Republicans do have a uh, greenhouse gas plan and use natural gas and uh, nuclear power to get to the same targets as Democrats. And that's a lot more achievable than windmills and solar. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Victoria, it's such a great honor to have you on. You bring clarity to a very confusing world. We really enjoyed the time today. Always good to be with you, John. Thank you. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll be right back with one more engaging conversation with a key member that has his ear to the ground, listening to what the grassroots of America say. By the way, all policies in America succeed when the grassroots gets behind it. We'll have that conversation with Ryan Walker from Heritage right after this commercial break. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.